Father, this morning we just come to you. The author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Where can we go from you, Lord? We have come together in your name. You are here in our midst through your spirit. Your words are spirit and life. You have asked us over and over in your word, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Father, I pray every other voice will be still in our hearts and our minds and our ears. And our hearts and our ears will be open just to the voice of God and God alone. That you will give us wisdom, you will give us understanding, you will give us discernment. That we will know how to read the times in which we live. That there would be a quickening in our inner man that we will work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That every time we come together, the very gathering itself will be an encouragement and preparation as we see the day approaching. That no one would be caught unawares. Speak, speak. Or if not, if you listen to the message online, I, I was telling you on Wednesday night, in, as the introduction, not the main word, about what theologians, those who are into eschatology of the second, those who study on the second coming of Jesus Christ, are excited because they're talking about what is what they call has convergence. Jesus gave us many signs when they asked him, "What are the signs of your coming?" He gave many signs, but. In both those passages in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, both those passages he mentioned, when you see all these signs coming together, when you see all these signs coming together, then you know he's very close. Then lift up your heads because your redemption is near. So world events are very, very quickly moving to the event prophesied from the prophets starting with Enoch, the seventh from Adam, onwards to every prophet. The world event is coming to that day when he will step down and start reordering the affairs of this world. Yet when Jesus warned of all these signs, many signs he gave, the one he zoomed on or mentioned first and put it up at the top of the list was neither wars or rumors of wars, neither famine, nor pestilences, neither earthquakes, none of these things. The first thing Jesus mentioned and asked us to be beware of, careful of, is shown in Matthew 24 and verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. He said, meaning it's your responsibility, it's individual responsibility. The job of the devil is to deceive and he's doing a good job. You can't blame him for doing his job. Our job, my job, your job is to see that we don't get deceived. That's why he has given us the word, he has given us the spirit and he has given the body of Christ. He has given us these three so that we do not get deceived. But the question is, how does this deception work? It's been right there from the beginning. You need to realize the apostles will talk about it right from the beginning. As soon as truth comes, deception also comes side by side. 
So how does this come? How does this work? How do we, you and I, protect ourselves from this deception which is constant 24-7 to take our hearts, our loyalty from Christ and move it towards somebody else? So there are, the Bible speaks in terms of symbols and illustrations through the Old Testament, thereby we understand how things in the New Testament work out. Like for an example, you will see Isaac has a type of Jesus Christ and Rebecca as a type of the bride of Christ. We also see Rebecca when she conceives there are two children in her womb. And there is a battle in the womb. And the first prophecy told about that child is there are two nations in your womb, but the elder shall serve the younger. Meaning the younger is the one who is called to reign, not the elder. Okay. But these are all symbolic. And you will also see about the elder and the younger, God says, Esau I have hated, Jacob I have loved, even before they were born. So these are all put in symbols to talk to us who is the church. Because the elder one Esau is your and my flesh. Flesh and blood gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So there is the old me and there is the new me. The old me, the old you is your flesh. The new me, the new you is that is born of Christ. And God says he hates the old one. He hates Esau and he loves Jacob. Because Jacob is called to reign. Okay, understand how it is. So the Bible also talks about two cities. Babylon and Jerusalem. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. Two cities being played side by side. And if you look at scripture, Babylon is found first before Jerusalem. You see in Genesis 11 you will see Babylon while Jerusalem is introduced to us only in Genesis 16. If Nimrod, theologians say, is the founder of Babylon, a man who was mighty against God and the power of the flesh and the unity of the flesh is the builder of Babylon, then Melchizedek is mentioned as the first king of Jerusalem. Okay, so understand these two cities. And by the time you come through the Bible, you will see one city that is Babylon is built on lies. This world system, by the time the end, the whole world system becomes Babylon, is built on lies, is built on deception which appeals to the flesh, while the heavenly Jerusalem, which is a spiritual city, is built on truth. And we are called to come out of Babylon. By the time you come to book of Revelation, you will see Babylon is called the harlot. The mother of all harlots. Harlots means a prostitute. She is called the mother of all harlots or she is called a prostitute. While the other one is called the bride of Christ. Two women. One who is a harlot, the other who is a bride. And we are called to come out of Babylon. This world system. So there we are called. So there is Jerusalem which God is building. There is Babylon which Satan is building. And there we are Jerusalem in Babylon. And we are called to spiritually come out of Babylon. How does Babylon deceive? That's what we want to know. Because Jesus warned us about deception. This whole world is tied up in deception. How does Babylon, the spirit of Babylon, how does it deceive? Bible gives answers. 
In Revelation chapter 18 verse 23, the light of a lamb shall not shine in you anymore. This is after the destruction of Babylon. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all nations were deceived. How does Babylon deceive? By sorcery. By witchcraft. All the nations were deceived by Babylon. The primary tool the devil uses to deceive people is sorcery, is witchcraft. Let's look at a couple of portions, again from the book of Revelation, so that we study Babylon, so we understand how Babylon deceives. In Revelation 14 and verse 8, another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations Drink of the wine of the wrath of our fornication. Okay. Babylon has fallen. How, what not, how did she deceive? She deceived through sorcery. And as a result of sorcery, the deception was, she made them the drink, the wine of our fornication, which will result in the wrath of God upon her. Okay, we will come to that. In Revelation 17, verse 4 and 5, scripture will again talk about Babylon. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup, full of abominations and the filthiness of a fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So we're getting to know how Babylon operates. Sorcery is the medium which will lead to us drinking from her gold. Remember the cup is golden. Cup is golden. Okay. The golden cup, understand, is the word of God. But inside is not. Inside you do not have the spirit of God, but the spirit of this world. Remember, that's even how even Satan will try to deceive Jesus himself. He says, it is written. But in his words, the spirit was missing. Okay, so be very careful because deception happens to the church. That's why we are warned by God in 1 John chapter 4 verse of Verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. For what's the purpose? The only purpose is to deceive us so that we drink of that wine offered by Babylon so that we'll end up being under the wrath of God. So what is sorcery? Or the result of sorcery or witchcraft. How do we come under the, under the witchcraft or the sorcery of Babylon? What is the purpose behind sorcery? If you know what people do in this land. Why, it's very common in India. Why does Indians or an average Indian go to a sorcerer or a witch doctor or whatever you want to call them? Why? It is to bring someone to a desired goal without having to follow the laws God has ordained for achieving it. There is a goal. You are here. That is what you want. And God has ordained a step from here to there. But you don't want to take those steps because it calls for obedience. So there is a shortcut. The shortcut is sorcery. 
The devil always promises a shortcut. God promises his son if you die to the flesh and live in the spirit and overcome sin in your flesh every day of your life, then death will have no power over you. You have to die on the cross. You have to live the death of the cross every day of your life. Die on the cross and I will raise you up on the third day. And Satan comes and offers him the golden cup and says, you don't have to go through all that. What has the father promised you? This earth... I can give it to you. Just bow down before me. Shortcut. Sorcery. If he had listened to that voice, the power of sorcery comes over us. Understand. Shortcuts. That is what Samuel tells King Saul. In 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Samuel had told, there is trouble. Philistines are coming. They are all around. We have no victory. Please come. He says, okay, I will come at the appointed time. And he's waiting. He's waiting. Samuel doesn't appear and he loses and he decides, okay, I have a shortcut. Who is going to wait for the priest? Let me do it myself. God had appointed a way and he chooses not to go into that way and he comes under the power of witchcraft. So sorcery, understand, is what the enemy uses. People do not want the way God has ordained, yet they want the result. And the enemy, the devil, deceives people into believing that it is possible. It is possible. Let me give you two very simple, common example of deception within the worldwide church of God. Any church. Simple. Where personally, you can swallow that lie and not even realize you have swallowed it. There is no one sitting here, honestly. Nobody sitting here, I believe. That's why you are here. Who wants to go to hell? Anybody? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Is it very clear? Everybody wants to go to heaven. When they die, if Jesus tarries to come, when they die, everybody wants to go to heaven. And Jesus has made it very, very clear in Matthew 7, verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. We know this. If this is there, and if you really, really believe this, then most of our life should be searching out the will of the Father. What do we believe? Do you see the power of deception? Power of sorcery? We see how we, though we know scripture, yet we don't believe in scripture because we think, it doesn't have to be this way. I can still make it. Right? Second example, okay. Everybody sitting here, young, especially young people. Every Christian wants the assurance of provision. Lord, you know what? I'm studying. I'm going to write an exam. Then I need a job. And my job should provide me enough. Lord, then I should get a spouse. No, the spouse should not be like a mouse. He should be good and love me, Lord, not bite me. All oh, this is called provision in life. And God has said very clearly, and Jesus, after, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Did he say that? If we believe this, shouldn't we be doing this? By faith, 
pursuing the kingdom and the righteousness and seeing the miracle of God adding one provision after another in our lives. So we expect a result without keeping to the path prescribed by Jesus. That is the power of sorcery that works in this world and within the church. That's how Babylon operates. It operated from the beginning. The power of Babylon is introduced in the garden when the serpent comes and asks the woman, did God say? Did God say? We cannot eat from any trees. Did he say? No. After that he says, if you eat you will be like God. You surely will not die. The minute she disobeyed what God had said, the power of sorcery comes. Understand that. That's how it works. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, scripture says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. They're not even able to believe because minds have been blinded. That's a massive thing that's happening all around the world. It's called mind blinding. Literal mind blinding is taking place. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For the gospel to come through. See? Lift it, the light will come through. But the enemy has blinded their eyes. That the light is not able to come through, through sorcery. The world and within the church that we are not able to perceive the truth. Understand why Jesus warned, beware, beware, beware. In that same Matthew 24, 24, 24, he says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. If anyone sitting here believes I am the elect, God says even the elect he will try to deceive. Why does he say? How does he deceive? With signs and wonders. Why? How does he do it? Because we don't even, that, that's one of the major issues now that people go through. You see the purpose of signs and wonders in the Bible. The purpose of signs and wonders in the Bible is to focus people's mind to the message. The sign was not the message. Sign was not the message. The message was the kingdom of God. Jesus told his disciples, go preach the kingdom of God and do these signs to prove the kingdom is real. So better repent and get it. But what happens? They make a ministry of signs instead of the message. You go anywhere in India, what do you see? Healing meetings. What is healing? Healing is a sign. Deliverance meeting. What is deliverance? A sign. Blessing meeting. What is blessing? A sign that you are following righteousness. That is not the end. So you follow a sign without reaching the signifier, you will get deceived. People who are not rooted in the word of God and rooted in the spirit of God, it's very easy to deceive them. It's not difficult. That's why Jesus was very, very tough on the crowds who followed him because of the signs. Because of the signs, he had massive following, massive crowds. John 6, this is what he will say. 
Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Why did you come? Because you're full of the bread. I multiplied bread, your stomachs are full, and now you're looking at me and saying, Wow, what kind of a king to have can eat every day? You are not following me because you understood the sign. The spiritual significance behind the sign that I am the true bread from heaven. Whenever crowds followed him in Luke chapter 14, unlike today's preachers, verse 25 to 27, when now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. Can you think about a preacher like that today? My gosh, if crowds come in, he is looking at the collection that is going to come. And he is going to keep them happy and comfortable. Don't worry brothers. God loves you. This is God's will for you. Come. Come all of you. Come. Jesus was exactly the opposite because he would never deceive anybody. He would never lie to anybody. He would never deceive anybody and give them a false hope. Because our hope has to be real. It has to be built and based on the word of God. Because everything else will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But not even a dot from my word. And Psalm 138 verse 2, God says, I have exalted my word above all my words. Scripture cannot be broken. And he will not break scripture for anybody, not even for himself. Therefore, Jesus wants and he discourages the crowd so that they would truly, truly seek the truth. So, look at the power of deception, the power of sorcery in the church. Deception that happens to any one of us. It can, you can get fooled. I'll just give you a few examples. John chapter 15 and verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Yet we claim we are his friends without doing what he commands us. There are ministries even named friends of Jesus. And we sing very happily what a friend we have in Jesus. But he made it very clear. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. 1 John 2.6 He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. Yet we say we abide in him without walking as he walked. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And we claim we are the sons of God when we cannot get ourselves up in the morning to come to church on time. Forget being led by the Spirit. Do you see how deception has taken our minds? Revelation 14 verse 4 and 5. These are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. In their mouth was found no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God. Yet we are automatically proclaimed we are the bride of Christ without following the Lamb wherever He goes. Revelation 19 and verse 8. 
And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Her bridal gown over there, which the bride will wear in heaven, is being stitched on earth, one stitch at a time, by the works of righteousness she does today. Yet we are told you have already received your garment. Romans 8.17 If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together with him. God says, you will inherit with Jesus if you suffer with him. Yet today we are preached a gospel that not only denies suffering, but if you are suffering in life, then you are out of the will of God. That's what they preach on TV. 2 Timothy 2.11 This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. Yet today we claim to be living with him without ever dying with him. Revelation 3.21 To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Yet we are already being proclaimed as king seated on his throne without having to overcome as he overcame. Are we getting it? How scriptures, we are very familiar with how it doesn't strike our hearts that God means what he says. That's the power of sorcery. How did we reach this state as a church? Because that's the work of Babylon. How does Babylon deceive? So the key word is used there. What's the word that is used about Babylon? She's a harlot. And her medium is sorcery. How does she deceive? If you look at this harlot called Babylon, when she works within the church, she also uses the Three most important words in a believer's life. But means differently. There are three important words in every believer's, every Christian's life which defines our salvation. One is faith. Second is grace. Not in that order, but let's for the sake of order. First is faith. Second is grace. Third is the blood of Jesus Christ. I am saved by grace through faith. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. These three are important words. Faith, grace and the blood of Jesus. We will only look at a portion of faith today. How the harlot deceives. How Babylon deceives. Okay. We saw about Babylon. We look at a couple of more verses. Revelation 8, 18 and 23. The light of the Lamb shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were great men of the earth. By your sorcery, all nations were deceived. First thing mentioned here about Babylon is, Babylon is full of merchants. What is Babylon full of? They're full of merchants. What do they buy and sell? 
Revelation 18. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver. Precious stones and pearls. Is that, are these the shops you frequent? Fine linen and purple. Silk and scarlet. Every kind of citron wood. Every kind of object of ivory. Every kind of object of most precious wood. Bronze, iron and marble. And then, verse 13. Cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots. And how does the list end? Bodies and souls of men. They use all the other objects basically to traffic in bodies of souls of men. Everything else. They make people slaves of things. Basically because Babylon is trafficking in what? Souls. Remember, when Abraham defeated those five kings and came back rescuing his nephew Lot and Melchizedek blessed him and Abraham gave his tithes to and, and he was fed with bread and wine. When he was leaving, Sbera, the king of Sodom, came to him and said, I will give you all this, take all this. Just give me the men. Let me ask you this question. How many are burdened for the souls of men and women? How many of you cry out to God and say, Lord, your burden is for souls. In that part, what is my part? Put it into my heart, oh God. Why don't we cry? Because Babylon has taken our attention through all these things. And there is no burden because Babylon is trafficking in the souls. 2,000 years in this country, we haven't even reached 5 or 3% of this population because there is no burden. There is no burden. Absolutely no burden. Babylon buys and sells in souls. That's the prosperity gospel. Buy. This is God's will for you, brother. Name it, claim it, take it. And when you bury it, bury it. Somebody said it in English. Buy all you can, then can all you buy. That's today's gospel. Nothing about souls. Now look at another side of Babylon. Revelation 48, 14, 4, 8. She has fallen because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. NIV, other versions will use the term adulteries. 17, verse 5. On her head, forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Why? What's the difference between a harlot and a bride? Harlot's mind is divided between two or more men. Two or more men. Bride's heart is always stayed on one man. Babylon is called a harlot. New Jerusalem is called the bride. So how did the spirit of Babylon, deception of sorcery of Babylon come into the church? 
But these letters are written to the church, not to the world. For, for them, they have to repent. This is not for the world. James 4.4 Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Do you not know? Friendship with the world. 1 John 2.15 do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you see how Babylon has come in and taken our hearts away? We love the world. We love the things of the world. That's our problem. And we don't realize. The church worldwide doesn't realize they have been taken away. Mystery Babylon is what is written on her forehead. But if you read Revelation 22, the servants of God has the name of the Father on their forehead. Not Mystery Babylon. That's why it is called fornication or divided heart. And sorcery are the two means by which the harlot deceives the church. One Taking the church, the church sees the goal. They want heaven. They want all the things in heaven. But says, doesn't matter. You don't have to keep the ways of God. You will reach there anyway. Sorcery. Disobedience leads to sorcery. Power of witchcraft coming. And the second, a divided mind. The devil offers all the things of the world and says, this is for you. You don't have to be loyal to Christ. This is God's will for you. Like I said, three most important things, faith, grace, and the blood of Jesus. We will look at faith. How does the harlot use faith? What is the great commission? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. What is the great commission? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe or obey all the things that I have commanded you. The apostles are told, you were with me for three and a half years. I taught you and I taught also told you what all you are supposed to obey. Now faithfully go make disciples like I made you disciples and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This is the great commission. Everything the church is supposed to do in the past 2000 years is based on this command. One, I have all authority. All authority is given to me and based on that authority I am sending you with one specific order over a period of time make disciples of nations and teach them to obey. When Paul begins his manifesto of the doctrine of the church in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 he says through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. He makes it very clear. If you look at the harlot, the harlot preaches on faith and is big on faith without obedience. She preaches on faith but will not talk about the obedience that comes from faith. 
shall not talk about obedience. The harlot will use selective scriptures and not the full gospel or the whole counsel of God. Listen to what Apostle Paul says to the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20. Therefore I test to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. After three days preaching there, day and night with tears, he tells the church, time for me has come to leave, but as I leave, I am making a proclamation in front of you. My hands are innocent of anybody's blood. I will not be guilty. I am only called to preach. You are called to listen and obey. I am innocent. Why? For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Not select. Today, people don't preach like that. If you listen, they will pick one scripture and build a castle over it. One scripture. Jesus, no, I have given you the full counsel of God. So today, let us look at how the harlot preaches on salvation and what is salvation in the Bible. Okay? Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38. On the first day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, not 27 to 38, I'm sorry, 37 and 38. As soon as they heard Peter preaching, they were cut to the heart. Today we are never cut to the heart, we are tickled in our ears. Honestly, you look at some of the TV preachers, you never feel any cutting. They use feathers to tickle you. When Peter preached, they were cut to the heart. They were, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And the first thing he told them is, repent. Repent. Take 180 degrees, you have to turn around from the direction you are going. There has been an absolute beginning, a change of mind. Manfiravo. Turn around. Paschatap karo. All these words, you don't hear anymore. 1 John 1 9. There is a process to salvation. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Repent. If we confess, He is faithful. Mark 6, Matthew 6, sorry, not Mark, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Repent, confess, make a clean slate, forgive all those you need to forgive. Luke 19, verses 8 and 9. And Zacchaeus stood and said to Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house today because he is also a son of Abraham. What has come to this house today? Salvation. Make a restitution. If you have stolen anything from anybody, including their name and reputation, as far as it is within your power, do restitution. It's a part of your salvation. Repent, confess, forgive, make restitution. These four include what is called believing. I have believed. How do you know you have believed? It shows in your action. You have turned around, you have confessed, you have forgiven, 
you have made restitution. And then Mark 16, 16 says, He who believe and is baptized will be saved. That is why in this book, never a child was baptized. Every baptism is an adult baptism. Because a man has to hear the word, the spirit of God has to convict his heart and he has to act on the conviction. And then when the conviction comes to its complete works, he gets baptized, he's saved. That's how salvation. You know what the harlot does? The harlot says, no, just believe. Just believe you are saved. Millions are sitting in the pews, warming the chairs Sunday after Sunday, being primed for hell and not for heaven. Because the harlot deceives by not preaching the whole counsel of God. That's the danger. That I said the man on the street has a greater opportunity to hear the gospel and get saved than the people who are being ready for butcher, for the butcher inside the churches. There is danger. That's how Babylon operates. The harlot preaches, as long as you believe, don't worry. The blood of Jesus will cleanse. But that's not what scripture says. Scripture says in 1 John 1, 7, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He's in the light, and we are walking in the light, we have fellowship. And he made it, you move into darkness, you cut away fellowship and you run away. It doesn't say the blood of Jesus automatically does. No, it says no. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. And the blood of Jesus cleanses. Is your faith based on the word of God or sorcery? Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away. Not even a dot from my word. Dot from my word. The church has been bewitched. Many are building their houses on sand. And like the crowds who followed Jesus saying, that's why I keep telling you this in the church. Everybody who came to Jesus, what did Jesus ask them? What do you? What do you want? What do you want? I want to see. Take your sight. My daughter is ill. Go. My servant is ill. But when somebody said, salvation is what I am looking for. Nicodemus came in the night because he was troubled because deep inside conviction was there. If I am saved and he is saved, then why is he so different? And why am I like this? Jesus looks at him and says, flesh and blood gives birth to flesh and blood. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom unless you are born of the spirit and water. You will not see, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. He went away in the night because it was too much for him to receive because he knew that if he received the words of Jesus Christ, he would have to change 180 degrees and he would be out of the Sanhedrin and out of the Pharisee community and he says, I'm not willing to pay that price for salvation. Well, Apostle Paul was willing to pay that price for salvation. When the Samaritan woman said, oh, that water, if you have that water, I will never thirst anymore, then I don't have to come to this well again. Give me that water. Jesus said, go bring your husband and come. 
We got an issue to settle with truth here before we can receive salvation. You go through the gospels. Who else sought salvation in the Bible? Nicodemus, one Samaritan woman, and one Zacchaeus. That's why he asked each one, what do you want? The question he always asks is, what do you want? Lord, I want to be freed from my troubles. Okay, go. That doesn't mean you are saved. Salvation is the beginning of a journey. The way to salvation is being simply being obedient to what God has said. Hebrews 5.9 says, Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He becomes the author of our salvation. Of all who obey him. But obedience has been taken away by the harlot from faith. She preaches of faith without obedience. Therefore, when they preach faith, it is only connected with great works they do in the name of Jesus. All you have to do is believe, brother. Find your promise in the Bible. Name it. Claim it. Confess in your office. You are the head and not the tail. Doesn't matter how you live. Confess. The wealth of the wicked is kept for the righteous. Stand behind the bank and confess. Their money comes into your account, brother. Listen to the jungle that is being preached. Sorcery. Sorcery. You have to believe my word because see how many sick have been raised. Come brother, give your testimony. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Why? Depart from you who practice lawlessness. You are absolutely disobedient in your ways. You did great works and deceived the power of sorcery. You deceived many. And you use signs and wonders not to lead a people to an obedience that comes from faith, but you were merchants. You made merchandise of people. When you saw the crowds, you got so excited. You didn't give them the truth so that they would start searching for the truth. Instead, you kept them quiet. Sit there. I'll produce more signs and wonders. Fill my coffers. That's what Jesus is saying. It never affected their personal walk with God. It never led to more and more and more obedience to the will and the ways of God in their lives. Remember, there is a spiritual battle going on. In Revelation 17 verse 6, Scripture says, I saw the woman, the harlot, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. She's drunk. She's drunk with what? She offers the wine, the cup of her abominations to the world and to the church while she herself is drunk with the blood of those who resisted her seduction. The harlot's first victim was Abel. Why? Because his offering in his worship was obedience to the will of God. 
God had prescribed there is only one way you can come to me. It doesn't matter who you are. And obedient to that way, he came with blood. And therefore he became the martyr. First martyr of this harlot. Because he was obedient to the will and the way of God. Abel's offering by God's acceptance was crying out to Cain, repent. Instead, what did he do? He murdered his brother. From that day, the harlot has been drinking the blood of the saints. Till the last day, she'll be drinking the blood of the saints. It is not that Cain did not bring a sacrifice. It was that Cain's sacrifice was not obedient to the will of God and the ways of God. There's so many people bringing sacrifices into the kingdom of God. But is it obedient to the will of God? The first thing Jesus says when he steps into the world, we know, we heard it so many times from Hebrews 10. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire. But behold the body you have given me. I have come to do your will, O God. In the volume of this book it is written about me. This is your will. And I have come to do your will. All your sacrifice, all your offerings has absolutely no meaning in the kingdom of God if it is not in line with the will of God for you. There's no meaning. Because there was great sacrifice in Cain's offering compared to Abel's. Abel's was very easy. He was a shepherd anyway. Took a lamb, killed a lamb, dressed the lamb, offered. Other guy, a land that is cursed because of his parents' sin. Thorns and thistles it shall produce. By the sweat of your brow, it shall produce a yield for you. He broke the cursed ground. He planted, he watered, washed over it, waited for a season. And finally, when it brought forth fruit, he took the fruit and brought it to God. Great sacrifice, but not the will of God. No obedience. When God points at obedience, don't point at our sacrifice. It has no meaning if our obedience, our sacrifice doesn't follow our obedience. That's what scripture is talking about. The very essence of the harlot's work is to mix good and evil, pure and impure, holy and unholy, flesh and spirit, heaven and earth. She mixes. That's what fornication means. She mixes the spirit and the flesh. Well, God separates, she mixes. That's exactly the work of the Word of God. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, Scripture says, the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. It divides, 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 laying aside even the intents and the motives of your heart. Everything. That's the purpose of the preaching. So that the word of God will go through the spirit and cut us through and open us so that we look and say, okay, my prayer was right, my action was right, but my intention was wrong. My motive was wrong. God says, shown it, now put your motive and intention also right. Let it all be in one line, I will receive it. Otherwise it won't be received. That's the purpose. Because everything will be open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Ezekiel 44 and verse 23. What does scripture say? And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. That's 
Jerusalem, not Babylon. That was the cry of the great apostle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 he says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simple obedience to Christ, he has deceived your minds. He's telling the Corinthian church, simple obedience, simple faithfulness to the gospel. The bride too, remember, has a golden cup that is God's word. But consider the wine. You will see the spirit accompanies that cup. James chapter 4 verse 10, 8 to 10. Draw near to God. The bride will draw near to God. And he will draw near to the bride. And constantly cleanse your hands. You sinners, purify your hearts. You double-minded, lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. She's not bothered by his hard words because he knows at the end of it he will lift her up. He knows God is not being angry. She knows God is holy so he's saying get your act right and I will lift you up to my presence. And if you are ready, it doesn't matter how old you are, God will tell John the apostle, Come up hither, come right up here and see everything from my viewpoint, from my perspective. Come up, come up, come up. Paul will say three times the Lord took me in the spirit and told me things which could not be expressed. God says, I have no issues. If you cleanse yourself, I will lift you up into my presence. What does the harlot do? The harlot tries to bring God down to her level. Well, God wants to lift us to his level. Be careful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 to 18, this is what God tells. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And if I were to ask individually, most of you young people, you will probably say your best friend is an unbeliever. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their people. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Scripture. This scripture doesn't need explanation. It's very clear. Hebrews 9.14 How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works? You walk without even a feeling of guilt anymore. Condemnation, everything is gone because the blood of Jesus unlike the blood of bulls and goats which can only cleanse you, clean you outside cleanses you very within because you have gone to him in true repentance and everything is gone. And you're able to walk more and more with God. And Romans 5.21 So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is salvation. Growing in salvation. Growing from faith to faith. 
Romans 1.17 It is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. One step of faith to another step of faith to another step of faith. It is the growing in righteousness. What does that mean? It also means as you grow in faith. Romans 14.23 He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. Faith now starts defining sin. Today you walk by faith, you hear the word of God and suddenly you realize certain things yesterday which was not sin to you has become sin today because you have grown in your faith. So many people are not condemned in anything they eat because they don't even read scripture. For condemnation to come in your actions you need to have the word. This is bringing it to a simple most common daily activity. That as you grow by faith to faith to faith to faith, even it starts structuring what you eat. Because God says, harlot will deceive you even with food. As it deceived Isaac with food and took his crown away in the old covenant symbol. The mightiest young man was destroyed just by one thing. The harlot deceived him by food because he took liking too much liking to a particular kind of food and the devil used that to trap him. 600 years of overcoming, building an ark to save his family, eight in his family is saved and when the testing is over, drunk and lying naked and cursing another generation, Noah, with drink. Because a harlot works through deception. Don't take it lightly, children. That's what the word of God says. When we drink from the cup of the bride, there is no wine of adultery. The heart is not divided. The mind is not divided. Instead, it is making us more and more and more whole. Our eye is becoming single. Our heart is being single and is cleansing the work of our hands. This was the cry of the bridegroom. Not the bride, of the bridegroom. In Luke 22 and verse 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The bride also uses three words. Faith, grace and the blood of Jesus. Not to bewitch or deceive people, but to help them to grow in Christ and draw closer to God. She does not use faith without obedience. She does not. Hebrews 11, 1 will say, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You hope for something. You hope for something. Right? What is, what is substance? Something which proves that what you hope is real. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Genuine faith has always substance. Abraham, leave your father's house, leave your father's country, go to the land that I show you and I'm 
promising you, I will bless you and blessing you will be blessed. I will make your name great. Nine yards, God tells him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. God gave him a blessing. He hopes in that blessing, the substance of that faith, he obeyed and he left. Obedience was the substance of that faith. Faith without obedience has no substance. That's why we struggle. We struggle not because God's promises are not A and Amen in Christ Jesus. It's because our faith has been compromised by the harlot. Where the harlot says, you don't have to do anything, just believe. While everyone in the Bible obeyed because they believed. Does our faith have substance? The harlot's faith has no obedience. It only looks at one side of Abraham's faith. If like a coin, faith has two sides. Okay. One, she trusts. The other, she obeys. Two sides. The harlot only will quote one side of Abraham's faith. That is Romans 4 and verse 3. What does she say? What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. One side. The bride will look at that and look at the other side also. What is the other side? James 2 and verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Two sides. But the harlot will only talk about Romans 4.3. It will never speak against Romans. James 2.21 and the intellectuals. The Pharisees and the intellectuals and the theologians in the harlot church will speak against James and says James is contradicting Paul. No. They both meant the same thing. They both meant the same thing. For my salvation, I have to believe in the work of Jesus. I cannot do anything else. But I have really, really believed in the work of Jesus Christ then Jesus Christ also will do a work in me where I put to death the works of my flesh. That is Isaac. There is a corresponding action in me too. When that doesn't happen, your faith has no substance. We have just substituted one religion for another. One religion for another. God says, I didn't come to substitute religion. I came to give you life. It is life. The other side of faith is this. The bride has a faith which has a body. Substance. Faith is the substance. So by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. By faith. So faith has substance. By faith, Noah built an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Enoch walked with God. Not that by faith he sat in an armchair. He walked with God. Everything there is an action. Abel offered, Enoch walked, Noah built. By faith, Abraham obeyed and left. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, have you refused to be called a part of this world? Moses did. Moses did. 
did it. By faith, Peter cast the net on the right side. By faith, he walked on water. By faith, we put to death the members that are on earth. By faith, we put off the old man. By faith, we put on the new man each day. If you and I do this, then we believe. If we don't do this, we don't actually believe. Faith without works of obedience is dead. By faith. By faith. We have to keep growing in obedience and growing in faith. Which voice do we echo by faith? There are two voices in heaven. One voice is Romans, sorry, Revelation 12 verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. What is Satan called here? Accuser. What is Jesus called? Hebrews 7.25 There he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Which voice have you taken by faith? The voice of accusing? The voice of interceding? Which voice? Which voice do we echo on earth? Church, ask God for discernment. Even when you listen to all these Christian programs on TV or YouTube. Many of them are merchants of Babylon. The city of commerce. They are making merchandise of souls. It's very easy now to identify that. Any merchant you see on TV preaching the gospel, you will see his bank account coming, scrolling below. You see, any language in India. What do you see his? Bank account number. Think about Apostle Paul today preaching on TV. You think his account number will come? In the first place, he may not even have an account to give you a number. Think of John the Baptist. Think of Jesus Christ. Use discernment. Be rooted in this so that you will know. If God has to give you and me discernment, we need to know this first to discern. That is why technically, nobody keeps that in India, but technically before you get your learner's license, you are supposed to go through a test. And in the test, what is tested? Do you know the traffic rules? So that when you ride on the roads, you have discernment how to ride and how not to ride because you know the... But people don't know how to drive on the roads because they never learned that test. They passed it through forgery. You want discernment? You need this. Lord, give me discernment. God says, read my word once in a while, child. I'll give you discernment. You will have discernment. How can the spirit bring into your remembrance what is not there in your mind? Jesus said, my spirit will bring into your remembrance everything that I have taught you. It will bring into your remembrance. 
before you die at least once read this so that the spirit can work in your mind we can quote everything yesterday's mumbai indians match onwards every score every cricket player every football player every movie actor the height of the actress her latest wardrobe we know it all This is life. Haven't you noticed that when we, that's one of the prayer requests I get all the time, calls, everything, pastor, whenever I try to read this, I fall asleep. I struggle to read one chapter. Do you struggle to watch a movie? Why? Do you ever get tired of talking to your friends? How come you get tired of this? Spirit of sorcery. Babylon has bewitched you. Has bewitched you. Your hearts and minds are divided. It's better to, like I said, as convergence is coming on, the bride is preparing and she is ready. Her heart is absolutely, totally sold out for God. Every spare minute she gets, she's trying to spend it in the presence of God and in His Word. She's not going around wasting her time. There is a church God is preparing. A church which is sold out for God. Who loves him with all his heart and nothing is too difficult or too much for her. And he will have his bride. A prepared bride. A bride who loves him from the bottom of her heart. Who will be able to mean every word we sang today. Because it pours out from her heart. Because she loves him. And the heart is stayed on him, not in this world. This world is of no interest to her at all. Absolutely no interest. Everything in this world she knows will pass away. What does scripture says? 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. The world is passing away and the lust of it. Let me ask you this question. Has the lust of it, do you feel the lust passing away? The problem I told you on Wednesday also. When we use this term, lust, today because of KJV and today modern version, lust, we have narrowed it down to only sexual affinity. But that's not what Bible means. Lust can be for anything. How come that you go shopping and then you come back like this? Because there was lust in your heart and half the things you brought home you didn't even need. How come people are paying off credit card loan after credit card loan after credit? Because half the things you never needed. Understand the struggle of the last days. I tell this. When we grew up as a child, there were two things you would get to drink. One was water, the other was milk. Today when you go to supermarket, it is what milk? And that's what we ask our children. What do you want today? Chocolate milk? Strawberry milk? Mango milk? Apple milk? I don't know. 
Now you get cans of water with different flavors. Isn't true? And you may be smiling and laughing, but let me ask you, aren't these all ending up in your homes and your tables? Why? Because there is lust. There is. 25 years ago when I came to Hyderabad, I heard about Hyderabadi biryani. Today, how many kinds of biryani are there? Every animal has been made into a biryani. The problem is this. The problem is that we indulge in our lust and we are forever praying for healing. God said it in very clearly. Your body belongs to the Lord. You can walk in health. Walk in health. Do we believe this? The world is passing away and the lust of it. Meaning this is written to the world. World, whether you like it or not, the world is passing away. It is degenerating. It is cracking down. It is breaking apart. You look around the whole world, you see what's happening. In those nations where they had lifted this up above everything, every institution that was started in the history of that country was to make servants of God, where they have written in every single currency of theirs, in God we trust, who were the crowds in Washington DC and New York and every city in America yesterday, what I was saying, they're building up the God of science. Science! Science! Why? Because a new government has come who is trying to bring God back into the system because they realize if you don't, this nation is doomed. So crowds are coming, talking about science, not about God. You see how the nations are breaking down. Nations are breaking down. Beware, understand, don't be fooled. Those of us sitting within the kingdom, don't be fooled. Understand how scripture works. Babylon. <clears throat> the harlots workers are all merchants. Babylon is a city of commerce. The bride is called Jerusalem. The city of sacrifice. The tribes of Israel did not go to Jerusalem for commerce. The tribes of Israel were commanded by God to go four times a year for sacrifice, not for commerce. Babylon is a city of commerce. Jerusalem that the church is, is a city of sacrifice. And the first act of Jesus in Jerusalem is recorded in John chapter 2 verse 13 onwards. And the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. The first act of Jesus in Jerusalem recorded in the gospel according to John. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money, overturned the tables and he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. By the time he came to Jerusalem, Jerusalem had become Babylon, a city of commerce. 
and he chased them out. And he says in verse 17, they remembered, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. He's still zealous for his father's house. Only thing, this father's house has been replaced by men and women, saved by his word and by his spirit. He's still zealous for you and me. And he says, don't make my father's house a place of commerce. Then the spirit of Babylon has gotten. You belong to me. You belong to my father. You are my temple. And most of the problems you are going through is because you lust after things that Babylon offers. Either things, either a name, either a reputation or what. Your lust can satisfy so more money. It is not the simplicity of the gospel. And not the joy that the gospel brings. Jesus commanded you and me to make disciples of all the nation. But the harlot also deceives nations with her sorcery. The church is supposed by her work, the work. Why is the church so confused and so powerless? Because it has forgotten its work. The work of the church was this. Paul puts it across in Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. He says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The entire purpose of the ministry of the word within the church is to separate and separate and cleanse and separate a people from the world and worldly influences and one day present her as a pure virgin to Christ Jesus. That was the purpose. We forgot our purpose. We lost our purpose. We do not even understand because we have heard the gospel being preached by the merchants of Babylon. In Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, the same apostle, the Holy Spirit through him will say that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Holy and without blemish. That was the purpose. That was the purpose. That is what he did. His last act before he goes to die with his disciples is that he washes their feet. Peter says, no Lord. He says, if I don't do that, you will have no part in me. Then he says, then give me a bath. He said, you don't need that. That you need only once in your life. You've been already been baptized. You belong to me. But you've been redeemed to go out to the world and redeem other people. But when you go into the world, your feet will get dirty with the world again. Wash it off. Wash it off. Don't let the dirt of the world pile it. Wash it off daily by the washing of the word that there is no influence of the world left in you when you get back into your closet. It is washed off. Otherwise we'll be part of the judgment that comes upon the world. That's why scripture says, let every man examine himself and judge himself so that he is not judged with the world. Judge with the world. That's the purpose of the church. To make a pure and a holy church so that she could follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and the voice of thunder and heard the sound of harpies playing their harps. Yeah, come further down. 
These were the ones who were not defiled for they were virgins. These women are. Who are these? those defiled with the women? Babylon is not just a harlot. She is the mother of harlots. Ma- Babylon gives birth to a whole set of harlots whose only purpose is to seduce the saints. And God is redeeming them, redeeming them, breaking these powers over their lives and they are being made chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Wherever He goes. That is the purpose. The ultimate end of salvation is that you can become part of this group in eternity who goes with the Lamb wherever He goes. The harlot is also working on the same principle, remember. Same principle. But not to follow the Lamb. Look at Revelation 17, 3 and 4. First. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Yeah. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. His deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. While the virgin church the redeemed bride of Christ will follow the lamb wherever he goes. The harlot through her work on earth will get a set of people, a large massive crowd who will follow the beast wherever he goes. There are two groups which are being divided right now before our eyes spiritually. God is doing this separation. It is happening and we don't even realize it's happening. Both will follow one leader. One will be the lamb. The other will be the beast. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? They will adore him. They will worship him. How did he reach? How did these people reach there? Read Revelation 17 verse 3 and 4. He carried him in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads. Who led these people to the beast? The woman who was seated on the beast. What is the color? Sitting. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and arrayed with gold. Go back and do a homework. All of you are good in internet Google, no? Right? Go back and check what are the colors chosen by the feminist movement in India. You will see it scarlet, purple and gold. Are you part of that movement? Even in your thinking? Go back, look, study deeply. Understand the times, discern the times. That was he was telling the Hebrews. When you see the weather, you know when storm is coming, all that. But he says, how cannot you read the signs that are plain before you? The son of man has come and you don't recognize him. Read, understand, woman who's riding the beast. She's the one who gave him power. The woman is sitting on a scarlet beast. Understand the nature of the beast. What is... The aim of the beast. 
What is the aim of the beast? The aim of the beast is complete control over the masses. And he uses the harlot for it. Revelation 17, he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitude, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. What is God saying? He says, the beast uses the apostate church for a season and for a purpose to get the people after him. Once he's got the people, he will destroy the church. He doesn't love the apostate church, he will destroy them. And God will allow that to happen. Check back in history, look back in history. Look back in history. What influence does the Church of England have over England? What influence does the Lutheran Church have over Germany? What influence does the Catholic Church have over Italy? Once the beast got its power, it crushed the church down and said, you have no more voice in our system. Shut up and sit down. Have they learned the lessons? So the final battle between the woman and the beast is being fought over America. Once America falls, it's over. The final battle is what you are seeing unfolding. That's what you see on the streets of America because the masses of the apostate church are going out and says, no, we will serve the beast. And we are sitting here and dreaming of a life and a career when the end is so close. In Luther's Germany, you cannot take the name of Christ in the public places. You don't have the freedom to worship the kind we can. You cannot evangelize, you cannot preach the gospel, you cannot wear a cross, you cannot do any of those things in Luther's Germany. In the Church of England, I'm angry in America, UK, you stand on the preach and preach or read from the scriptures which is offensive, they'll put you in jail. Do we understand convergence? Do we understand how close we are? Do not be deceived. You don't understand how the harlot works. Don't ever think the beast loves the harlot. The beast hates the harlot. He uses the harlot only for a season. Once he gets power without the harlot, he will make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. He will destroy her because he understands God. Even in the harlot church, if it opens his eyes and says, Lord, save me, he will, he will not allow that. He will destroy the harlot church. There is no love the enemy has for God's people. Don't get fooled. The world does not love the church. Anybody, anything that even has a temporary outward name of Christ on it, doesn't love. He will destroy you. That's why God says, stay under my wings. Stay, let me cover you with my feathers. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled by a gospel that preaches faith without faithfulness or obedience to the word and which doesn't preach a separation from the world. Do not be part of mystery Babylon. Do not be. Listen to what God says through the prophet Jeremiah. In verse chapter 51, 
verse 6 and 7. Flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. God has got two cups. One is Babylon and one is Jerusalem. God said, I have made Jerusalem a trembling cup to the masses and Babylon a golden cup. And he says, those who have discernment choose. That will be the truth and the test of your and my salvation. God says, two cups you choose. Which one do you want to choose? Even Babylon was not in the devil's hands. Even the devil is used by God to have a separated people. That's how God tests our faith and cleanses and will ultimately have a people who are set apart for him. The nations that made all the earth drunk, the nations drank wine, therefore the nations are deranged. Look at the nations, deranged. Out of their mind, they don't know what to do. Why? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 to 11, God answers, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth. One thing. One thing alone. Jesus stood before Peter, Damascus, and Jesus told Pilate, I am the truth. One thing we have to receive in our life is the truth about ourselves when God speaks. Don't run away from it. We like to hear the truth about others. That's why we have itching ears. God says, know the truth about yourself. Receive the love of truth. The bride is somebody who has received the love of truth for herself. So she is forever being cleansed. By the word and by the spirit. If I don't, if I look in the mirror and I say, oh, I am so cool, then I don't need to change. Our problem is we don't receive the love of truth. We don't receive the love of truth. We are like the crowds that follow Jesus to see what we can get out of him. And then when we see we are not going to get out of him, they will say, crucify him, release Barabbas. We want Barabbas as king. Ultimate manifestation of Barabbas is the Antichrist. And because they did not receive the love of truth, who did this? The devil? No. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion so they should believe the lie. Not the devil. Devil has, devil's sorcery still will not work if God doesn't allow. And God looks at people and says, they have no interest in me or my son. Let them go. It is God. That's why all these epistles were written. But the apostate church won't preach this. They won't talk about any of these things. They won't. Because it doesn't suit them. They preach a faith without obedience. They do not preach where your obedience grow and your righteousness grows from faith to faith to faith. They will not talk about any of those things. That's why Apostle Peter, as we close, 
will say in second peter chapter 1 and verse 10 he will say therefore brother because what did jesus say if possible even the very elect might be deceived therefore my brother even be more diligent to make your call and election sure make your call and your election sure before if you do thing these things you will never stumble the walk with god is clear and assured you don't stumble make your calling and your election sure because faith is the substance of things hoped for faith has substance faith has substance faith is not an imaginary thing it has substance what is the substance of faith your and my obedience to the word of god and the will of god that's the substance that is the one which gives you assurance what was jesus assurance father into thy hands i commit my spirit what was his assurance that he would rise upon the third day because he knew he was dead to his flesh all his life therefore death had no power over him what is our assurance what is our assurance where does our assurance come from baptism then everybody who's been baptized should be saved they are not even the mafia heads are baptized every fellow in the mafia is a devout catholic baptized on the eighth day goes to church regularly with escort never misses a service are they saved what is the evidence of your faith what is the substance of your and my faith how would you know abraham believed if you were in the ur of the chaldeans how would you know how would anybody know abraham had believed how would they know because they saw him packing his stuff getting out how would the hebrews and the egyptians both know moses believed the people in the palace heard a new thing my lord no don't call me my lord i am not an egyptian moses what has happened to you why are you dressed like this you don't look like a prince what do i look like i look like a hebrew slave that's what i am that's what i am i am not a pharaoh's daughter i am a hebrew how did they know he believed how did he know he believed ask these questions how did gideon know he had believed lord why has all these things happened he says okay all that i have called you given you the promise mighty warrior everything okay lord i believe ah he thought as soon as he said i believe then supernatural strength will come all the philistines will fall and nothing god says you believe i believe we can do one thing if you believe get up go to your father's house outside there is that ashera pole cut it down <gasps> your mom you believe do you believe 
then what is that Virgin Mary statue doing in your house? You believe? What's that rosary hanging around your neck? You believe? What's that brown thread you have hung on your hand? You believe? I tell this to people who say who believe. I don't tell it to the others. I don't tell it to the others. It doesn't matter. To those who say I believe, I say what is this? You believe. I've told to big people also in this country. You say you believe, but I saw in the picture you got this. This will pull you to hell. Because when I die, I'll have nobody's blood on my hands. Anybody to an opportunity I've been given the gospel, I will tell you the truth. This will take you to hell. Do you believe? Do you believe? Or will the world take you? We need to ask ourselves because there is this Babylonian gospel that is going around which make all men and women look like Babylonians. Do we believe? Yes, God looks at the heart, but man looks at the... What did God tell Samuel? You look at the outside, God looks at the heart, yes. Your testimony is lived before man or before God? Both. 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 When you live out your testimony, it doesn't matter what accusation comes after you. The minute Joseph was falsely accused, what was the first word that came from Potiphar's wife? Who brought this Hebrew into our midst? His real identity is immediately known. He's a Hebrew. He belongs to God. When the Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could interpret the dream, suddenly the cupbearer said there was a Hebrew in the prison. Good times or bad times, let your identity be known as a Hebrew. What does Hebrew mean? The one who has crossed the river, never to cross back. Have you crossed the river? Or are you crossing back and forth? That's a Hebrew. That's a Hebrew. That was the first testimony of Abraham. The Hebrew. You want to know what Jesus has really done for us and what, how we live out the life. Read the letter, study the letter to the Hebrews. Those who have crossed the river. You will understand what is the life Christ offers to you and to me. That is the gospel of God. That's what Paul says. I am not ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Because in it, a righteousness of God is revealed. That is from faith to faith. Righteousness, that's by faith. But faith has substance, brothers. It has substance. We don't feel and experience the righteousness, a right standing with God is because our faith doesn't have substance. It is just an imaginary sorcery of Babylon. That's what Babylon majors in sorcery. Just believe, brother. Just claim it, brother. Just confess it, brother. There is no obedience. There is no works. 
There is no such faith preached either by Christ or by the apostles. That's real salvation. That's why God says, beware, beware, beware of sorcery. Go to the world because you are sent into the world. Don't go to the world otherwise. We got no business there. Got no business there. These days, most of things you don't even have to God. You can order, they deliver it at home. Delivery free. You hear that? You don't even have to pay for the delivery. It is free. It is better to receive delivery free rather than be delivered to the devil. Because we couldn't control our lusts. Watch out. Watch out for this world. Watch out for sorcery. Watch out for the lusts in our flesh. Die to your flesh by the power of your spirit every day. You will have peace with God. Absolute peace with God. The minute flesh is dead, spirit is alive. You hear clearly. You understand he loves you. You know that you love him. And all you are interested is more and more obeying his will. Very clear. As long as the flesh is alive. It won't. It won't work. It won't work. Spend every minute you have with this, with God, and then go out when God calls you. It's not a good world anymore outside. It is not a good world. I'm telling you, every trip I make, every meeting I have outside the church, it scares me to see servants of God Pastors of God do not know the word and they have been compromised by the spirit of Babylon. They don't know the word. Fundamental basics which you know, which we have heard over the years is new revelation for them because they don't know the word. They never searched. Maybe they searched but God never opened it to them because their hearts were not for the word. Don't get fooled. Don't worry about your office. Don't worry about any of those things. Those are irrelevant. The world and its desires pass away. But who lives forever? He who does the will of God lives forever. Lives forever. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? Shall we surrender once again? Each each day is an opportunity. You have given me life, Lord. If I don't see the end of Today, by some chance, you call me home. Let me go home, Lord, with a clean slate. With a clean slate. Made my accounts clear. My balance sheet and this thing both tally. Put it right before God. Put it right before God. Walk with God. The purpose of faith is that man might walk with God. Man might worship God. Man might serve God. Man might live with God. That's the purpose of faith. It's got nothing to do with the world. Worship, walk, work, love. Remember that order. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham. The order in Hebrews 11. That's the purpose of faith. And that faith has substance. Father, this morning we come to you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. That you will never let your children go without 
being warned. You will always warn us. You will always exhort us because you care for us and our end more than we ourselves do. As a father, you are interested in our promotion than we ourselves are. That's why, Lord Jesus, you are forever making intercession for your saints. That they may die to the flesh, die to the lusts of this world, and live unto you and you forever as you lived. You're making intercession for the saints who long to experience you more and more each day. Help us not be trapped by signs and wonders and not look beyond to see the one who is signified by the signs and wonders that our hearts are captivated by you and your love and love for you. So that when we look into the world, we are only able to see broken and perishing souls. Broken men and women and lost children. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's what the world is. Broken. Perishing people. All this glitter and glamour will be burned up with fire one day. Only thing that will be left are the souls of the dead. Help us to see what is truly valuable in your sight. Help this flesh to be broken. Because hidden in this flesh, inside is the treasure, Christ Jesus. Unless we are broken, the treasure won't be seen. Unless we are broken, the light won't shine. Unless we are broken, the life of Christ won't be revealed. For your word says, in him was light, life, and that life was the light of men. Help us not to hide your life. And proclaim our life to the world. Because our life has no power to redeem the lost. Only your life has the power to redeem. So help us to die to our life each day. So the life of Christ may be manifested. Which has the power to redeem people of God. I pray Father that would be the prayer of each one. As we see the end approaching. So many prayers today, Lord, for the salvation of loved ones, family, friends, lost in darkness, blinded by the enemy, or captivated by sorcery. I pray, Father, this year would be a year of salvation, of salvation. The blindfolds would fall, the light of the gospel would go forth and set captives free. Help us. Help us, Lord. That in no way there will be anything in us anymore that becomes a stumbling block to those who are seeking. Because as a church of Father, in another six Sundays we will enter the tenth year, the year of judgment. 
and you are asking the church to put their act together. So that there is nothing in us which becomes a stumbling block to an unbeliever who is seeking or a weak brother or sister who is struggling. Help us to grow into that maturity so the light of God will shine on us, shine upon us and shine through us that the Gentiles might see a great light that in these dark days getting darker, the redemption of God is still available. The voice of the Spirit is still calling. The bride and the Spirit are still calling, come and drink freely from the water of life. Help us to be that voice. No other voice. Young and old, let there be surrender in our lives, O Lord. More and more each day. Come in the church here, all our churches, into thy hands. All your servants, all your men and women, standing guard at their posts, suffering day and night, so that the gospel might go forth unhindered. I just commit them into thy hands. Bless them, keep them. Cleanse us continuously by your word and by your spirit. That we might hear your voice clearer and clearer and clearer as each hour passes by. We just surrender ourselves into the hands of Father, spirit, soul and body. We belong to you. Unreservedly, we hold nothing back. We are yours. Use us for your glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.